a good approach is to just list out all of your stats. So how much real estate you own, how long you've been in real estate, things like that. And then do the same thing for your property management company, your partner, as well as your sponsor. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, In addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with them to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, He's brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there, and we've built a relationship with him in Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got And assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, All you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, But besides that, you know, the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. And his phone number, 212-897-9875. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School, and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode, and for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com, or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series which is a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndications. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. 
So, each week we air a two-part podcast series focused on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And for the majority of these series, we offer a document or spreadsheet or some sort of resource for you to download for free. All of these free documents, as well as past and future Syndication School series, can be found at syndicationschool.com. This episode is part three of a four-part series entitled The Power of Your Apartment Syndication Brand. So it's focused on the branding aspect and the benefits of your brand towards apartment syndications. Now, I highly recommend that you listen to part one and two of this series because we are going to grow off of those two episodes. So part one was episode 1534, and in that episode you will learn the five primary benefits of creating a brand, which are credibility, networking, cash flow, education, and contribution. You will also learn why and how to define a target audience for your brand, which is based off of the 2000 true fans concept. And then lastly, you will learn how to create the first three components of your brand, which is a company name, a logo, and a business card. In part two, which was episode 1535, the focus was on the fourth component of the brand, which is a website. So you will learn how to create your website as well as eight strategies for increasing your website traffic as well as conversion. Now, this is part three. And by the end of this episode, you will learn about the fifth component of the brand, which is your company presentation. So, we'll be discussing the purpose of your company presentation, as well as how to create the company presentation. And, since this is the syndication school, you will also be able to download a free document, which will be a PowerPoint template that you can use as a guide to creating your own company presentation. Now... What is the point of the company presentation? Well, what it's not is it's not a pitch book or a sales tool. You don't want to think about the company presentation as that. Instead, you want to think about the company presentation being a solution to your investor's challenge, which is them making money, them making a return on their investments. So you're not really selling them on anything. Rather, you're presenting them with a solution to their challenge and allowing them to decide whether investing in your deals will help them overcome that challenge. Now, if you remember, or if you need a refresher, listen to episode 1534, which was part one of this series. I mentioned the five main benefits of creating a brand, and the PowerPoint presentation helps you accomplish all five of those, obviously, but The three main benefits of the company presentation as it relates to your brand are credibility, networking, and education. So in regards to credibility, this company presentation will be a passive investor's first introduction to you and your business. Sure, maybe they listened to you before on the podcast or they've filled out the contact us form on your website, but this is the first time that you are speaking directly to them. And what you want to use this company presentation for is to attract the interest and obtain trust from your passive investors because within your company presentation, which we'll go over here later in the episode, you'll have a chance to display your expertise and your team's expertise 
as well as experience. So once the potential investor reads through your company presentation, they'll know all about you and your team. And you will also include additional information in the company presentation, which will attract their interest in not only investing in apartment syndications, but investing with you in particular. So that's where the credibility benefit comes into play. Next, it is a great networking tool. And this is something we'll we'll go over in future episodes when we begin our conversations about actually sourcing verbal interest from potential investors. But this is a presentation that you will send to them as a networking tool. So it's much better than just having a conversation on the phone because they've already read through your company presentation and have an idea about you, your business, and your investment strategy. And at the same time, this is a good networking tool for team members. So again, rather than talking on the phone with a potential property management company and just explaining your background, instead you can send them this document before the conversation so that one, again, they have additional information about you before the conversation, but also they can see information about you and your team's background and expertise. So great networking tool. And then lastly, it is also going to be educational. So when you are first starting out, you're likely going to be raising money from people you already know. And they may not have a high-level understanding of the apartment syndication process or investing in general. So the company presentation will provide them with a good introduction into the syndication process and why they should invest in real estate and particularly in apartments. Now, as you grow, this benefit of education will likely decrease because as you grow, you'll attract more experienced investors who won't need an explanation of how you find deals and data points like that because they already know. So those are the three main benefits. But again, you will also benefit from the cash flow aspect because the company presentation is helping you um, attract investors as well as contribution because as you attract investors, they're able to invest in your deals and meet their financial goals. So that's the purpose of the company presentation. And next, let's go over the meat of the conversation, which is how do you create a company presentation? And as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, we will be providing a free document, which could be downloaded either in the show notes of this episode or at syndicationschool.com. And it's going to be a company presentation template. So it'll be a PowerPoint, including information that I'm going to go over in this episode. And what you want to do is download that company presentation populate it with your specific information. And then I highly recommend hiring a designer on Upwork and asking them to design the PowerPoint and and pretty it up a little bit. That's what we did with our presentation, but we're not going to give you that one. We're going to give you the standard version and you can design it to your liking. So overall, there are going to be seven components to the company presentation. The first, pretty simple, table of contents where you outline the other six components of the presentation, which are going to be the meet your team section, why apartment section, investment strategy section, role section, seven step process section, and then an example deal. And I'll go over what all those mean here right now. So the second section is going to be the meet your team or meet our team or essentially the the section where you put the bios of you and your team members. So it's going to be your bio, 
as well as the bios of anyone else involved in a deal that is relevant to your investors. So for people just starting off, an important team member will be a sponsor or a board member. So for example, if I were to create a company presentation, I would have Joe as a board member because I personally don't have experience doing a deal, but Joe does. And so I'm able to leverage his experience in the eyes of my investors and team members. And then you also might want to put information in there about your property management company since they're going to be highly involved in the business plan as well as any partners that you have. Now, what's the difference between a good bio and a bad bio? Because not all bios are equal. So here's an example of a bad bio that you do not want to put in your company presentation. It's as follows. Joe has invested in real estate for over three years. He is currently the host of a successful podcast, and in his spare time, he is involved in various extracurricular activities and charitable organizations. Now, you probably know why that's a bad bio, but we'll break it down quickly. So the first sentence, Joe has invested in real estate for over three years. The only information they're getting about Joe's real estate business is how long he's been doing it. They don't know how much real estate he owns, how many deals he's done, what type of deals he's even doing, what type of real estate he's even investing in. So it's not specific enough or quantifiable, which you'll see is going to be a trend for this bad bio. The next sentence, he is currently the host of a successful podcast. doesn't say what the podcast is. You don't know how long he's been doing it for. You don't know what successful means. Is that a number of downloads? Is that just him doing it consistently? How is that success measured? And they also don't really know what the format is. Is it interview-based? Is it Joe just talking about his day? What's the podcast even about? In the third sentence, in his spare time, he's involved in various extracurricular activities and charitable organizations. Again, what does this mean? What are the extracurriculars? Is Joe just considering sitting at home playing video games to be an extracurricular, or are you talking about something else? How long is he involved in these organizations, and what are they, and how many? So, all of those are addressed in a good bio, which is as follows. Joe controls over $400 million worth of real estate in Dallas, Fort Worth, and Houston. He is a host of the world's longest-running daily real estate investing podcast, best real estate investing advice ever, which generates over 350,000 monthly downloads. Joe is also on the Alumni Advisory Board for Texas Tech University and the Board of Directors for Junior Achievement, as well as created his own charitable organization, Best Ever Causes. So, huge difference. Joe's explaining exactly how much real estate he owns, as well as where he owns this real estate. So he's measuring the success. He's also explaining how long he's been running his podcast for, what the podcast is actually about, as well as how many downloads he is generating, which is the gauge for success. And then lastly, he explains exactly which extracurricular activities and charitable organizations he's involved in, rather than just saying he's involved in some unknown activities. So based off of that explanation, go ahead and create a bio for you and your team. So a good approach is to just list out all of your stats. So how much real estate you own, how long you've been in real estate, things like that. And then do the same thing for your property management company, your partner, as well as your sponsor. And add that to the meet our team section in the company presentation template. The third section is going to be in the company presentation, you'll see it's titled Why Apartments, but essentially this is a section where you want to prove why apartments are the best asset class for your investors to park their money in order to receive solid returns. In this section, essentially what we have is different metrics that we measure for 
apartments versus other asset classes and just any metric related to apartments. And we include graphs and charts and data tables to get that point across in a visual form. So the first slide that you'll see is an explanation of the risk versus returns. So essentially what you want to determine is how does real estate as a whole returns compare to other investment vehicles like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, retirement accounts, REITs, things like that. And as well as how do apartment returns compare to other real estate investment vehicles like industrial, office, retail, hotel. So for the first one, real estate versus other investment vehicles, we have a data table that shows the number of down years or negative return years compared to the number of up years or positive return years for real estate, stocks, and bonds. And as you will see, there are many more years of up years for real estate as well as much fewer down years for real estate compared to stocks and bonds. So it gets that point across. And then next, we have a data table that shows how the average apartment returns compare to other commercial property types, industrial, office, retail, and hotel. And at this point in time, apartments have the highest mean or average return over the three, five, seven, 10, and 15 year periods. So for all of these, you're going to want to make sure you're staying up to date on the current data because some of the things that I'm going to explain right now might not hold true in five years. And so those are things that you either want to remove or address differently. And also there might be other data points that are not included or I do not discuss that are relevant in five years from now that aren't necessarily relevant now. So this is not a something to be copied exactly just to give you an idea of the types of things to include in this Y apartment section. Another section is about taxes. So typically, passive investors who invest in apartment syndications, the distributions that they receive are less than the actual depreciation that's passed on to them. So most likely, they won't have to pay taxes on their ongoing distributions, and they won't have to pay taxes at all until the sale of the property. But depending on the syndicator and you and your investment strategy, they might be able to delay taxes even longer by doing a 1031 into a new deal. So essentially in this section, any tax benefits as it relates to your passive investors investing in apartments should be referenced in this section. Next, we discuss the homeownership rates. So you want to determine if homeownership is low and decreasing or if it's high and or increasing because the lower the homeownership rate by default, the higher the rental rate is, which means more customers for you in your company. So for this, we have it represented by a graph that shows the rate of homeownership over time. And as you'll see, if you're looking at the company presentation, the homeownership peaked around 2005 and has been decreasing ever since. Similarly, you want to also take a look at the population. And this is going to be just kind of the overall snapshot population of the country. So is the population increasing? Similar to the decreasing homeownership, if the population is increasing, then that means there's more renters, which means, again, more customers for your business. And then lastly, of course, you want to actually look at the rate of rental occupied units to determine if that number is increasing. Because, again, if it is increasing, there's more renters and therefore more customers. And for this, is represented by the number of renter occupied housing units over time. 
and it's been steadily increasing since the early 2000s. Something else that you want to take a look at is demand data. So one data point would be the vacancy rate. So how does the how is the vacancy rate for the renter occupied units changing over time? Ideally, it is going to be trending downwards because the lower the vacancy rate, the higher the demand, which is going to be a benefit for apartment investors. And so we have this represented by the vacancy rate over time and the vacancy rate peaked around 2011 and has been steadily decreasing over time. Another demand factor to take a look at is the supply. So how many units need to be constructed to keep up with the future projected demand? So more than 4.6 million new apartment homes are expected to be built by 2030. And there are nearly 39 million people living in apartments. So the industry is quickly exceeding the capacity. So it'll take building an average of at least 325,000 new apartment homes every year to meet the demand. But on average, just 240,000 apartments were delivered from 2012 to 2016. So from a demand perspective, based off of this data, there are more people than there is supply, which is going to be a positive benefit for apartment investors. Also, something else we want to take a look at is the economic impact of apartments. So what are the total number of renters? How much money are they contributing to the economy through their rental payments? And then how many jobs are actually generated by apartments? So apartments and their 39 million residents contribute $1.3 trillion to the U.S. economy and generate about 12.2 million jobs annually. And then finally, you want to take a look at other demand drivers. So for example, changing lifestyles. So today, people are delaying both marriage and starting families. And the data to support that is 19% of U.S. households are married couples with children compared to 44% in 1960. So a huge drop. And there's 75 million people between the ages of 18 and 34 who are entering the housing market. And the majority of them are entering as renters. So from that, you know that the demand for rentals are not going to be going down because People who are delaying marriage and starting a family are more likely to rent than buy. You also want to take a look at any interesting demographic data. So currently, ages 55 plus account for more than 30% of rental households. And more than half of the net increase in renter households over the past decade came from the 45 plus demographic. So, historically, the older you are, the less likely you are to rent. However, that seems to be changing because there is a large percentage of people who are renters that are within that 45 plus age demographic. And then another demand driver to take a look at would be immigration growth. So international immigration is expected to account for 51% of all new population growth in the U.S. And immigrants have a higher propensity to rent and typically rent for a longer period of time. So those are just three examples of demand drivers. But again, that might change based off of the current economic climate in, in five years. And essentially, in this why apartment section, think of any other timely data point that's relevant to the current apartment conditions and make sure that you're focused on continually updating this section. So that's section three. Section number four is going to be titled Our Investment Strategy. So in this section, you want to give an overview of your investment strategy. And we are value-add investors, so I will be using that as the example for this section. 
So first, you want to talk about your target market. So what metrics are you using to select your target market? And what are your actual target markets? So in regards to the metrics, we have six things in this presentation. Number one are employment drivers. So we want to see a low or decreasing unemployment, new businesses, increasing jobs, the job diversity, and the things like that because those provide stable income and lower the risks of apartments by keeping the occupancy levels high. So those are the types of markets we look at in regards to employment. For supply, we wanna look at the absorption rate, which is the ratio of the number of rental units coming online to the number of units rented in that same period. And that rate is used to determine if supply is keeping up with the demand. And you also want to take a look at future population growth, and that should be sufficient to absorb the scheduled future supply. So in other words, you've got a certain number of apartments available and a certain number of people that are wanting to rent, and there should be a balance between those two numbers, and ideally, there's more demand than there is supply. Third is the GDP growth. So we avoid markets that are nearing a potential bust, which we determine by decreasing GDP. And we also avoid markets with abnormally low cap rates, which moves us on to number four, which is cap rates. So in order to achieve our projected returns to our investors of at least 8%, we want to see that the class B cap rates are not below 5%. Fifth are rental trends. So we want to see an increase in rent because that indicates healthy, stable economy with lower risks. Six is occupancy trends. Again, we want to see a healthy occupancy rate, ideally above 95% in that market, which indicates a growing population is outpacing current supply. I guess there's actually seven points to this section, not just six, because the last thing you want to have is a map of your target markets. So as you'll see in the company presentation template, there's a map of the U.S. with different points denoting different markets that we target, as well as their respective cap rates. Another component of the investment strategy are the types of deals that we look at. So for this section, since we are value add investors, we give some examples of the types of value adds that we do. So on one slide, we have a before and after picture of an interior with a list of the types of unit upgrades so for example, new final plank flooring throughout the unit, stainless steel appliances, granite countertops, tile backsplash, updated hardware and lighting packages, things like that. And then similarly, we discuss some of the exterior value add strategies that we implement. So renovating the clubhouse, rebranding with new signage, a dog park, fitness center renovations, adding a movie theater, things like that. Also, we discuss not only what types of deals we look, but how we source these deals. So we explain the process, which is the 130-10-1 process. And essentially what that means is for every 100 deals sourced, 30 are underwritten. Of those 30, we submit offers on 10. And of those 10, we actually close on. So just an explanation of the funnel and how many deals we look at and how long it takes to go from looking at 100 deals to actually closing on one of those deals. We also discuss how we actually analyze those deals, which is through our comprehensive underwriting process. So first, we select a submarket location. Next, we look at the history of the property. So we want to make sure that we want to look at the age of construction and the current demographic, as well as the ownership history. 
So we'll take a look at the T12 and the rent roll and plug that into our cash flow calculator. Then we take a look at the condition of the property. So we look at deferred maintenance and the quality of the interiors in order to determine a exterior and interior renovation budget. Next, we look at the competition. So we perform a rent comp analysis as well as a sales comp analysis to determine what the new rents will be after we've implemented our value-add program. And then lastly, we will set our business plan. So we will have a detailed explanation of the types of interior and exterior renovations we will do, the new demographic we expect to attract, as well as our rebranding in order to rebrand the apartment community and the market. Then lastly, we also do a brief overview of how we structure the deals and our investment targets. So we look at deals that are at least 100 units. We will secure debt at 70 to 75% LTV, loan to value. The deals must have annual returns that are greater than 8% and a five-year IRR that's greater than 15%. And we project to hold on the property for five to 10 years, depending on the business plan. Section five goes over the roles. And if you remember, as I mentioned earlier, as you gain more experience, you could probably remove this section because your investors will have enough experience to know what their role is and what your role is. But for now, the two groups that are discussed are the investors and the general partners. So the investors, their responsibility is to fund a portion of the equity for the project, whereas the general partner is responsible for everything else. So finding deals, reviewing deals, and determining which ones to make offers on, making and negotiating offers, coordinating with professional property inspectors, finding the best financing methods for the property, coordinating with attorneys to create the LLC and different partnership agreements, traveling to the property in person to perform due diligence on both the property and the market, hire and oversee the property management company after close, as well as perform additional asset management duties, including lender conversations, overseeing the business plan, and ongoing investor communication. So again, you can probably remove that as you gain more experience, but for now, that'll be a good overview for your newer investors. Section number six is going to go over the actual process, so what the overall process is for buying apartments. Similarly, this could be removed as you gain more experience because your investors are going to know the process already. But the seven-step process that we include in our company presentation template is one, our team finds a property that projects to meet the goals of our investors. Two, our team makes an offer and negotiates a sales price. Three, the offer is accepted and the deal is shared with the investors. Four, our team performs more detailed due diligence on the property. Five, our team renegotiates offer based on due diligence, if applicable. Six, legal documents are created by the attorney and signed by both the general partnership and the investors. And finally, seven, the deal is closed. Now, the seventh section, you might not be able to make this right away because you won't have a deal, but once you've done a deal or if you have a sponsor or a board member who's done a deal, you want to include a example of what your investors can expect. So for example, you want to essentially include all the information that was included in the investment summary you created when presenting that deal, which we'll go over in future episodes. But essentially you want to include a property description as well as the unit mix information. You want to include the equity, the amount of money that would be returned at the sale of the property. So either the projected sales proceeds or the actual sales proceeds that the deal was sold as well as yield projections for the entire project. You want to include an operating income and cash flow statement, as well as a data table showing 
the returns for sample investment of, say, $100,000. And then lastly, you can toss in the actual five-year pro forma of the rental income and expense line items. And then you can conclude your presentation with your contact information. Now, make sure you go to syndicationschool.com or the show notes to download the free company presentation template, which is what I discussed during this episode and includes all of those seven sections. So again, you want to download that, input your data, and then have someone professionally design it. And the purpose of this company presentation is to build that trust and personal connection with your passive investors before you hop on a phone call with them. And again, we'll go into a lot more detail on how to actually use this company presentation in the future. But for now, I wanted to discuss how to actually create this so you have it done and you're able to use it to the best of your abilities. So that concludes part three, where you learned the three primary benefits of the company presentation, which are credibility, networking, and education. And you also learned the seven section company presentation, and you have a free document to download that goes over all of that as well. Now, in the fourth and final part, which will be released tomorrow, we will discuss the sixth and final component of the brand, which is the thought leadership platform. So, to listen to all other syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndications and to download your free company presentation template document, visit syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. The Target Market Insights Podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at TargetMarketInsights.com. That's TargetMarketInsights.com.